You are Locked On Blue Jays, your daily podcast on the Toronto Blue Jays, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, Blue Jays fans, and welcome to Locked On Blue Jays, your daily dose of Toronto Blue Jays talk directly into your ears, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, Ryan Andrews, back for this penultimate week of Blue Jays baseball. Yeah, it's it's almost over, <laughs> almost near the end of it as summer continues to still be here. It's not fading away yet, so still a little baseball to be had. And we will talk about it. We're, we're going to talk about a very positive series for the Blue Jays over the next couple days, taking two of three from the New York Yankees, which is always fun to be able to do, especially when you're able to do that in Yankee Stadium. So we're going to talk about that coming up over the next couple of episodes. We're going to focus on the pitchers today. The pitching was primarily the story for the Blue Jays, and we'll talk about the hitters a bit on Tuesday. And we're going to focus on the bullpen in the latter parts of today's episode. Ken Giles, obviously one of the big stories from the weekend for the Blue Jays. And I want to talk about another name potentially throwing himself into the bullpen mix for Toronto in 2019, and what that means, especially considering the 40-man crunch that was detailed last week by Shai Davidi and Sportsnet, what that kind of means going forward for the Blue Jays. But we we will get to Ken Giles in, in the second segment, but we have to start with the starters, because that's the only way you can do this. You, you go starters first, then you get into the bullpen, and and I know we're gonna we're gonna mix it around a little bit, but Ken Giles is ahead of that bullpen, so he'll be talked about first. But let's talk about the starters first, and let's not waste any more time on Marco Estrada, who was just demolished in the Friday game. Just there, there's no need to to talk about Marco Estrada anymore. He is what he is at this point, and he's a pitcher who likely will not be starting next year for a team. I don't know if it's an injury that's that's led him to be so ineffective lately or just again people have figured out his changeup. They're they're honing in on it and just driving it, but he's been terrible to start games and he's not gotten deep in games and he's pitched himself out of the Blue Jays rotation sadly. So um, enjoy these last couple weeks of Marco Estrada. I, I don't think he's going to be back next year. But the youngsters in the rotation were definitely picking up the slack for Marco the Magician. And we'll we'll start with Sean Reed Foley. We'll go in chronological order. Sean Reed Foley was a Saturday starter opposite CC Sabatia. And Sean Reed Foley went out onto the mound and was electric. There's no other way to say it. He, he battled a weird strike zone from Roberto Ortiz. Ortiz, one of the younger umpires, probably not as well-defined a strike zone as some of the other guys, but it was inconsistent, but Sean Reed Foley battled through it and gave Blue Jays fans a shot of a starting pitcher. I don't think they've, been, they've really seen a merge since... Aaron Sanchez kind of put away 
His curveball is starting to come back out. So we may see Aaron Sanchez yet. But Sean Reed Foley had his second start this year with double-digit strikeouts. Struck out 10 Yankees in that game. Was making hitters look absolutely foolish. Literally, in the case of Giancarlo Stanton, who was literally sat down on a strikeout that he swung on a pitch that was near his head. Like... Giancarlo Stanton has a reputation for striking out, but he never has looked so foolish on a strikeout as Sean Reed Foley make him look. Because Sean Reed Foley's stuff was just all over the place. And that's for good or for bad. Because the the way Sean Reed Foley was pitching on Saturday against the Yankees was... Again, all over the place. And that this has been Sean Reed Foley's MO since he's been a professional pitcher. He's a guy who will struggle with his control at times, but the stuff he has is so good, so lively, that it's worth seeing what he can do. And again, the Blue Jays saw it to full effect. He struck out the first six batters that he got out. And that includes in the second inning when, again, that wildness was showing. And he he walked Didi Gregorius, he walked Gary Sanchez, gave up a ground ball that it, it was a great play made by Lourdes Gurriel to keep that from putting the first Yankee runs on the board. But to load the bases up, have John Gibbons come out and just say, hey, you know, I kn- I know you're battling this guy's strike zone. I know... There's a lot you're trying to deal with, but we have faith in you. You go in there and you get these guys. And it, it helped. We we can talk about this briefly, too. It kind of helped that I think the Blue Jays did get in the ear of Roberto Ortiz. Because immediately after that, Luke Maley got tossed for yelling that they were Yankee Stadium strikes that Ortiz was giving New York. And so Maley got tossed, which... Fine, one of the four catchers is gone for the Blue Jays. Gibby goes out to argue for Maley and for the strike zone. Gibby gets tossed. And I I think that was just as important as Gibby going out there and showing the faith in Sean Reed Foley to be able to get that done. Because immediately after that, Neil Walker gone swinging. Luke Voigt gone looking at a really nice pitch inside that Ortiz gave to the rookie. And then perpetual Blue Jays foil Brett Gardner just gone on three pitches was a brilliant comeback from a tight spot for Sean Reed Foley. And he was able to use that to continue on and pitch five innings, only giving up two hits, kept the ball in the park, just made Andrew McCutcheon look foolish the entire day. And, and again, it's, it's that stuff that's so tantalizing for Sean Reed Foley and kind of makes it seem like he should be in the conversation to be in the rotation from day one next year. I'm not sure if he is, and that's that's not a knock on Sean Reed Foley, but it's more praise for the guy who started on Sunday, and that's Thomas Pannone, who, again, maybe just as importantly, got into trouble early, gave up a leadoff home run to McCutcheon, um, allowed another run to come in on a sack fly. So an early 2-0 hole for Thomas Pannone. But like Sean Reed Foley on Saturday, he was able to work through it. He settled down immediately after that, started just, just straight dealing. When he, when runners got aboard, he was able to get ground balls necessary and and get 
get like double plays in a timely matter. He he just worked with what he had and was able to just fool the Yankees right after that. And then again, he had his own Sean Reed Foley moment in the seventh when Didi Gregorius walked, Glaber Torres singled. Those two guys were thorns in the Blue Jays' side all weekend. But again, he just gets a talk and. It's like, we know you're the guy who's going to do this. You're going to get out of this inning. Know you're trailing. Go out there. Finish this strong. And he did exactly that. And again, Gary Sanchez helps when you have a guy who's batting below 200. Deep fly ball to center field, but he got him. And then Luke Voigt with the ground out. And again, it it was that kind of faith that, that I think carried through the team. Because immediately after... Panone worked through that situation. The Blue Jays drew Dylan Batances and just roughed him up. They they have their way with Dylan Batances, the Blue Jays do. They're they're not afraid of him. And and Rowdy Telez going in there and, and driving a single, solid single score run. And then Grichuk, we're gonna talk about him more on Tuesday, but Randall Gritchuk going out there and doing what he needs to do. That's huge for a young pitcher to know the team has your back. Like like that's one of that's gonna be one of the big things I miss about John Gibbons is just his his ability to imbue his players with the belief that they can do things, to to really work their confidence up. So great job by Sean Reed Foley and Thomas Pannone to both work through crucial outings, crucial innings, and that can only be a boost for them going forward. I think Pannone has a better chance of making the rotation than Sean Reed Foley at this point, just because of the maturity and, and Reed Foley still has, a, has those control issues, but I'm very impressed with both those starters last night. Another Blue Jays pitcher was very impressive on the weekend. We're going to talk about him right after this. So again, Biggest pitching story probably of the weekend, aside from the starters, was Ken Giles. And Ken Giles, since he's come over from Houston, I don't think a lot of Blue Jays fans really knew what to make of him. Just because in his first couple outings, he was the Ken Giles that everyone saw in Houston. A guy who, for some reason, cannot get it done when it's not a save situation. And, you know, that that kind of checkered him a little bit, especially considering who went the other way in that trade, who we will not be talking about right now, because I do not want to. But Giles was seen as like the reclamation project, the kind of throw-in, just like, you don't need your closer anymore, why not send him over? And what's interesting is just the way... He has kind of settled down. He's been perfect in save situations this season. He's 22 for 22. And that includes going now 10 for 10 with the Blue Jays. And if you look at what he's done in a non-save situation, like like his ERA since joining the Blue Jays is heavily weighted by that 10th inning against the Red Sox on the 7th. And the outing he had against Baltimore on August 29th. He gave up eight total runs. Only six of them were earned. But no, I'm, I'm not sure if it's an issue of like, he's kind of saving himself for this, for the save opportunities for, for being in tight situations. But what he did 
against the Yankees to get seven outs in two days' work, stare down like some of the meat of the Yankees lineup and just absolutely blow them away with that fastball slider combo. And like that that's another thing. I, I actually want to get into some of the stuff I talked about with fans on Ken Giles because Ken Giles is not a guy who's going to fool around with anything. Ken Giles is just going to go out there with that fastball slider combo and pray you can hit it. Cause once Ken Giles starts dialing up those 99 mile an hour heaters, you combo that with the slider and you're just late on everything. You're guessing on everything. It's, it's hilarious to, to try and watch batters like fish and see, see where they're trying to go with that slider with that fastball. And again, I think he's converted a lot of Blue Jays fans with those performances as, as well. A uh, friend of the podcast, Leslie underscore Nope, agreed that he needed a fresh start, some therapy and a good fit. Blue Jays have have been that for him. De- Deborah Stasiuk at D Stasiuk hopes the Blue Jays are smart enough to keep him. Um, Liz at Biggles 14. They need a closer. He is good. Very simple. Um, And I know a lot of talk when Giles came over was about flipping him, but because Giles is still young, he's still 27. I think a lot of people forget that when dealing with Ken Giles because it seems like Giles has been around forever. But he made his debut young. He made his debut in 2014 with the Phillies. So he's turning 28 in three days. So he's still got plenty of life in him plenty of life in that fastball. He's not going to be a free agent until 2021. So the Blue Jays have a guy they can hold on to and use as their closer and and keep that confidence in. And there's no reason to really think about um even trying to deal him cuz as we as we talked about, you can easily identify hitters who are going to be good, who are going to translate. It's very easy to find Vlad Jr.'s and Bo Bichette's in the world, but it's much harder to find pitchers. And the Blue Jays have a pitcher now that they can be confident they can throw out there, and he's going to have that intensity, have that adrenaline pumping, and he's going to be able to shut doors at a rate that they haven't really had. And I I want to credit... Matt Hall at Hallomaniac07, who pointed out yesterday that Ken Giles is someone who's converted 86% of the saves in his career. He is a guy who thrives in those situations, who loved those situations, and noted that Toronto traded away a quote-unquote elite guy who only converted 79% of his saves. And I think that's huge that the Blue Jays somehow managed to upgrade out of a terrible situation and and get rid of a huge problem, a, a, a dirtbag player. They got rid of him and got better. It's amazing some of the things that this front office has been able to do. Like, like already, already you can say Ken Giles is top three Blue Jays trade acquisitions. I, I put him up there with the Drew Hutchinson deal that brought Francisco Liriano, Reese McGuire, and Harold Ramirez, because you can kind of dovetail that into trading Liriano for Teoscar Hernandez. So that's like a three for one. And then the Grichuk deal, which, again, the way Randall's looked since coming back from injury, 
is amazing. He he makes things a lot easier for the Blue Jays going forward. And that's not even including David Paulino, who's looked decent in the bullpen, could be in the starters mix as well. But just just watching Giles go out there and be that power pitcher. I, I forget who it was when I mentioned that Giles was the first real power arm that the Blue Jays have had back there in like forever. Someone mentioned uh, Tom Hankey, the Terminator. And and yeah, he, he has that Terminator quality. And again, having that kind of confidence back there in a guy who you know is going to go out there and get strikeouts. A guy who's going to blow things by players. Just snap balls. It's, it's comforting to have. And again, he's he knows what he is. He knows he's going to go out there with that fastball. And he knows he's going to get the strikes needed. He knows he's going to put it over the plate. He knows he's going to get beat by someone doing their absolute best when he's out there. And that's all you can ask for in baseball. You have, you have a guy who you can confidently put out there and just, just go with it. And that's huge for the blue Jays. Now the problem for the blue Jays is revealed to be their bridge. And I'm going to talk about a name who might not have been in consideration for that bullpen in 2019, but might have a case for himself after all, including his performances in the past week. We'll talk about him right after this. All right, so going to wrap this up pretty quick because the bullpen outside of Ken Giles was disgusting. It was a trailer fire. Yeah, upgrade from dumpster fire. It's an entire trailer set on fire. No one could come in and consistently do work for the Blue Jays in that game. It was it was like watching a conveyor belt of batting machines. And the Yankees were just eating it up. No one was safe. Justin Schaefer got hit. David Polino got hit. You you go to that game that Sean Reed Foley almost lost. Jake Petrica got hit. Danny Barnes got hit. Tyler Clipper got hit. Ryan Tapera got hit. Tim Meza walked the only batter he faced. It was not good. And it's going a long way to weeding out some of the names from this Blue Jays bullpen. Jake Petrica, I don't think, is being offered arbitration at the end of the year. Danny Barnes might have pitched himself off the 40-man, which is tough. Justin Schaefer may need more time in AAA and may find himself outrighted. There, there are a couple names that, again, I'm high on Taylor Guerrieri, the way he's been performing in Major League Baseball. I think he's riding himself into that bullpen. And the other guy who I want to talk about right quickly, who, again, I didn't really consider for a role. I thought he was just going to be here to soak up innings. But we need to talk about Mark Leiter. And what he's been able to do in in his time with the Blue Jays. He's a recent acquisition, came off waivers from Philadelphia at the start of September. And and again, was just kind of thought to be a guy to soak up innings and, and be a long man. But the Blue Jays have not been using him that way. And I think they're trying to audition him as a kind of reliever. If you look at the way... Leiter was used in Philadelphia. It was primarily as a mop-up guy. He was a starter in 2017, but he was not very good for a not very good Philadelphia team. And 
he's had success as a reliever in the past and and you look at what he's done since coming to Toronto he's pitched 5 innings uh he had a rough outing against Cleveland which Cleveland's going to do that but yeah giving up the 3 run shot really put that game out of reach and that's when a lot of people were like okay he's just going to be that mop up guy but John Gibbons turned to him in that Boston game and it it was a high leverage spot it was it was in the 5th inning and you know uh JD Martinez coming up to the plate and you you don't you don't put Mark Leiter on any short list for guys coming in to get a specific batter out but Leiter came in and struck out JD Martinez on three straight pitches and that's like okay all right, you might have something here. Then he struck out Xander Bogarts. Then he struck out Blake Swihart. And you're like, what is happening? And then Raphael Devers took him for a home run. And like, okay, Mark's figured it out. But that may be what Mark Leiter is. Mark Leiter may be just an inning guy, a guy who can come out full strength and and just be a guy who, who tries to blow things by batters. Because we saw that against the Yankees when Leiter came out for the eighth inning and the Blue Jays had just gotten the lead. And they're like, okay, you're sending out a guy who gave up three runs against Cleveland and gave up a home run to Devers. This should be fun. But no, Leiter was able to go out there, get Brett Gardner to fly out, Andrew McCutcheon to ground out. And then with Giancarlo Stanton on third as the tying run, struck out Aaron Hicks and just eliminated any chance that that Sean Reed Foley was going to lose that win that, or sorry, Thomas Pannone was going to lose that win that he earned. And it, it got me looking at Leiter's, you know, peripheral statistics. He's a guy who's not bad as like a reliever. If you, if you look at him um, in his career on one day's rest, he has a 386 ERA in six appearances there, a 318 ERA in eight appearances on two days rest. So he's a guy who can come out every other day and, and potentially give you an inning if you need it. On three days rest, he's even better. A 193 RA in nine and third innings on three days rest. So he functions kind of as a swingman, kind of like Joe Biagini, a swingman who could potentially give you multiple innings. And I think Joe Biagini obviously is kind of pulled back from that multi-inning role. We've seen what happens. It's not good. And Joe Biagini had a good inning against the Yankees, so we'll give him that. But... All of a sudden, Mark Leiter's throwing himself into consideration just the way he's being used and coming in in that high-leverage situation and not blinking. And again, with the struggles that Ryan Tapera's had lately, Tyler Clippard's had lately, um, and and uh, and other kind of arms coming out, Danny Barnes, Jake Petrica, these, these guys coming out, the Blue Jays need to find bullpen pieces to get to Ken Giles. And if Mark Leiter can put himself in that conversation and make it so he's not just an instant 40-man demotion in the offseason, I mean, that could be something for the Blue Jays. Granted, I said Jaime Garcia could be something. We know how that worked out. He's now the setup man for the Cubs. But no, it's just, you know, another name to keep in the hat when the Blue Jays start facing this roster crunch and you see who gets kept around. I think Mark Leiter is starting to make a case for himself. So, you know, something to look forward to. 
as I hope you look forward to this podcast every day, we're at the end of it for today. Thank you all so much for listening. If you want to follow the podcast on Twitter, do so at Locked On Jays. Subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify. Make sure you're getting this in your ears every day. We we got a couple more weeks of season to go. I'm gonna do my best to you know help y'all get through it to the end of the day, and we can start focusing on rooting for whoever's playing against the Yankees in the playoffs. Sounds like fun. I know I will enjoy it. You can follow me on Twitter at NeoAC18. That's NeoAC18. Get at me if you want to get in on the conversation. I want to thank everyone who chimed in with their Ken Giles support. Thank you to Matt and Leslie and Liz and Deborah for for offering their opinions. Always appreciate it when y'all get at me. So continue to do so. We'll continue to have this conversation right on through to the winter months. So for everyone here at Locked On Blue Jays and the Locked On Podcast Network, I'm Ryan Andrews. Thank you all so much for listening to today's episode. And y'all take care.